Welcome to Bar Fights with attorney and advocate Sarah Klein. Taking on issues that matter and advocating for legal, cultural, and political change everywhere in order to protect children and vulnerable adults. Joining the conversation are survivors, advocates, lawyers, media personalities, athletes, celebrities, authors, wellness aficionados, and many more. Because bringing real justice takes a team of experts who care. Now, leading the fight is your host, Sarah Klein. Hey, you guys, welcome back to Bar Fights. I'm pumped to be here another week, another Monday. I am so thrilled you're joining us. I told my team the other day, I said, my goal is to stop making excuses and to put out a show every single week this summer. Um, I know I'm consistent for a while and then cases get busy and kids and all this stuff. But this summer, you guys can hold me accountable to putting out a show every week. And what that means for me is I get to meet cool people every single week. And the person you're going to meet today has been on my radar for a while, and I really, really, really wanted to bring her on this show. It's a topic we haven't really talked about, and it's a topic that's not always at the forefront of my mind, given the fact that I was the survivor, I was not the person in the relationship with the survivor. And so I'm going to introduce you guys today to Danielle Sebastian. She's a speaker. She's a best-selling author. She's a mom. She's a Montana girl, which I love. I am newly licensed to practice law in the state of Montana. So we're going to do lunch and hang out. Um, she's a pharmacist also in what she's going to talk about today is this book that came out in the last month or two that's called Resilient Wives, a guide for wives supporting their husband through childhood trauma recovery. Um, again, it's a topic I don't really know that much about. How do you do that? How do you support somebody who discloses to you? Um, and Danielle is going to teach us about that, fill us in on her journey. Danielle, welcome to Bar Fights. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. I mean, that was a wonderful beginning and I'm excited. I'm excited to help you with your goals. Yes. Woo! I love it. Cool. More conversations. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is so cool because again, it's not something I, I support my clients, but I don't live with my clients, right? I'm not engaged in an intimate relationship with my clients. And so give us some sense of what led you to writing this book? Well, I also um, had no idea when I got married how my life was going to turn. Um, about three years uh, into our marriage, I had a toddler and a stepdaughter and things were not going well in the marriage. And there was signs along the way that maybe things were not quite right and that maybe there was some things that my husband that had happened to him that I just couldn't identify and we were in we were in counseling we had marriage counseling he was seeing his own counselor and it really 
took a big cry for help from my husband, a, a pretty significant incident where he was going to lose us and lose everything for him to finally come out and tell me that he had this terrible history of childhood abuse for years at the hands of the Catholic church. Mm. He grew up in um, a very Catholic home, went to Catholic church as well as Catholic school. Um, and he experienced years and years of this trauma at the hands of the church. Wow. And we have now learned in the last, you know, several years, how prevalent that is um, and how a lot of times church abuse is targeting male children um, and how many males have been carrying that and getting to a certain age in their life where they've tried to compartmentalize, tried to stuff it down for lots of different reasons and simply can't anymore. And, and it comes up and it comes out. What was that moment like for you? It was, it was unbelievable. Um, I, as I said, I, I suspected some things, but that was the last thing um, on my mind. He came from, like I said, a very Catholic church. They were deeply involved. The priests were in their home watching their children while they were doing um, you know, financial advice for couples and marriage, you know, classes. Um, so that was not even on, on my radar. Um, but when the information did come out, the fear and terror and emotions that came with the release of that information, I knew at that moment, this was this was big. Mm -hmm. This was something that was supposed to go with to the grave as a secret that would never be revealed. Wow. Were you, were you then the first person he ever told? Yes. Wow. Wow. And so he discloses this. He's obviously going through so much. Um, and you as his partner are probably left going, I don't know how the hell to even start helping him or, or navigating this. What, what did you, what were your next steps? How do you even, what do you do with that kind of a disclosure? Well, I hugged him. Yeah. Yeah. I hugged him and let him know that this was something that he did not need to carry anymore on his own. Yeah. That we could work on this together. Um, I truly didn't know what the future would hold, but I knew that he didn't deserve to be, to feel that way and to be alone in that anymore. So um, I did mention that we had had counselors. Mm -hmm where we went. Yeah. <laughs> we went, we, we had family support. Uh, we had our, I call it a team mm -hmm. that we ended up developing um, a couple's counselor. He had his own counselor 
Um, and we tried that. We tried to work on that for years and he had to really do the work um, to, on that to do the trauma recovery. I knew nothing about it. Mm -hmm. I had no clue. I had to learn all this as we went. There was no guide that I could find for a spouse um, on, on what to expect of the trauma recovery process. So we learned that over time. And that is why I wrote this book because I really feel like looking back, I would have, this is the guide I would have wanted to read um, when I was in the throes of it so that I could understand how trauma affects adult relationships, the impact that it creates in a, into adulthood, that if that trauma recovery process doesn't get fixed and healed, will continue. So the trauma recovery process is necessary, uh, as well as I also learned, as you noticed, I didn't say I had a counselor of my own at first. I also had to learn how much emotion and how much physical um, pain I was in going through this, that I needed my own support as well. Yes, completely. Like putting your own oxygen mask on first, right? We, we had the coolest guest on last week who, who has a mental health radio network. And she was saying, just as a parent, you know, I said, what advice do you have as a parent? And she's like, do the work on yourself first um, and lead by example. And so as a partner, right, like doing that work on your own and then coming back together um, as a couple and doing that work, I love meeting other people, especially women who go through something and, and recognize that there's a lack of a resource here, a lack of a resource there, information, and say, I'm going to take that bull by the horns and I'm going to create that resource because I didn't have it. And I don't want anybody out there to have to, to invent the wheel all over again because I just did it. And, and that's exactly what you did. Um, at what point in the process did you say to yourself, maybe there's some good that can come out of this that, that I can contribute um, to leave partners out there a little bit better off? Yeah, it's interesting. So we were several years into the recovery process. Um, and I went to, I went to my normal counseling appointment and it was just this little thing she said, she said, you know, I think maybe you should write your story. And I looked at her, I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know, we're just still trying to get by. I, I, I don't know about that, but it really put this seed because no matter, I, and then I went back and looked, I said, maybe I missed something. Maybe there is stuff out there for spouses. And I was just crazy and, you know, and trying to survive and couldn't find it. And there is not much at all. Um, there's some, you know, some articles online. There's some trauma books that have little chapters that are dedicated towards those who are supporting somebody in trauma recovery, but I, I really couldn't find much. And I just started to think about my process and how we got through it. And I felt like we made it for a reason. And I felt like that was something that 
I think we made it for a reason so that we can share our story and hopefully help others. I mean, talk about a silver lining, right? And and a lot of my guests on this show have been through hell and have come back from it and are now saying there is a silver lining to what I went through. Um, and now it makes sense for why I had to go through it because I do get the opportunity to leave the world a little bit better than how I found it or a lot better than how I found it. Um, You guys, the book is called Resilient Wives, a guide for wives supporting their husband through childhood trauma recovery. I presume, Danielle, that even if you're a husband, that this book is still relevant if it's your wife that's disclosing the trauma. Does it work for, for husbands too? It does. There's a lot of similarities um, in the process for those who are supporting um, spouses. There's a lot of similarities. And I, I, I feel even people who are having difficulties with their relationship and their, their husband isn't necessarily um, in trauma recovery, I still think there's some things that can be learned as far as you know, how, how to take care of yourself, how to support yourself and how techniques that you can use in order to make your relationship stronger. So, so cool. And so I'm dying to hear about this four-step process called wife care that was created by you and you use it with coaching clients. And I should mention too, you now coach people through this process. So you guys, if you are supporting a partner that has disclosed to you childhood trauma or any trauma, probably um, even adult trauma or any kind of trauma, um, this can be really important. And Danielle is available to help walk you through that. Talk us through this four-step process. Teach me about it. What is it? Well, when I look back at my experience, I I realized two things. First of all, you know, this you, it was a play off of self-care because <laughs> I realized how important that was. But that I came up with um, wife care. So the C stands for comprehending childhood trauma. That was number one. I had to do a lot of work to understand. what the trauma victim goes through. And as I mentioned before, how it affects them as adults and in relationships in particular. So that is the first step. And it gives you more empathy and understanding towards what to expect during the recovery process. Um, The A stands for um, accessing the support that that you need. Um, The R stands for resilience, building through self-care, as, as you go through the recovery process, you will realize how many, how many resources, and if you're depleted, you can't be the best support that you can be. And then finally, the E stands for establishing a stronger and healthier relationship. There is an end of the tunnel. At the end of a recovery process, there is a more of a maintenance phase, and that's where you can really start to develop that communication um, and ways that you can continue to get healthier as time goes by. I'm like, I need this. <laughs> I'm like, first of all, what is self-care? Yes. Second of all, right? Like there is that light at the end of the tunnel, which I think whether you're the survivor or the, the person supporting the survivor, self-care is 
is as important for both of you um, and that there is a light for both parties at the end of the tunnel and relationships don't have to be completely obliterated um, and torn to shreds when somebody discloses. I can't tell you how often I hear, and you probably hear this too, where somebody hangs on to this, harbors a secret forever. And then when they finally disclose the relationship blows up, whether it's because the person harboring the, the, the abuse is resentful of their partner that they couldn't read their mind and figure it out. Um, or there's that fear of, I showed them who I am and now I have to retreat and get out of this as fast as I can. Or the partner being like, I don't need this baggage. Right. And I think that's why it's a lot of survivors don't disclose too, is they're scared of what their partner will think about them. Um, are those some of the common things that you hear in your coaching practice? All of the above, (laughs) (laughs) all of the above. Yes. All of that is true. Uh, they just, when you think you're, you're making through and you're creating some intimacy that they will get terrified of that. It's like an allergy and they, and will retreat and, and that is so hard as a partner um, to not take that personally. Yeah. That's why understanding in the trauma brain is so critical because not taking things per- those things personally was the hardest thing I had to learn. Yeah. I mean, I can't count how many times this makes me laugh that I've used the phrase, it's not you, it's me. And it sounds like a line of bullshit. And I swear to every guy I've ever dated out there, it wasn't, I just wasn't ready to talk about why it was me and not you. Um, But I, now that we're having this conversation, I'm like shaking my head going, oh, I was that person. Well, yeah. And it's understandable. But as a partner, wow, you really have to, you really have to understand and have empathy for that and, and not let it, not let it be that way. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been called emotionally unavailable. I've been called all these things and I, you know, what's, what's up with you? What's up with you? And I would say, nothing's up with me, you know, and then, and then I would, do the blame game of it's you, it's not me. And then I would finally get to the, like, it's me, it's not you. And that's such a mind F, right? (laughs) Like the partners over there, like, you know, getting just jolted around, getting whiplash going, what in the world, who is this person? Right. That is exactly right. And you start thinking it's you. Oh, you, you do. You, it's hard not to, yeah. right? When that's coming at you. And I remember just being like, am I crazy? Yeah. Am I crazy? It, you know, just thinking that over and over again and having to reassess the situation and be like, no, no, this is what this is. And again, our team of support. Yeah. Yeah. Work, work through that. So we talk a lot about the fact that the average age of reporting child sex abuse is 52 years old. Um, I've, you know, there's a billion reasons for that, but I see, especially with my male clients 
who feel a real stigma around it. It affects their sense of their own masculinity, their sense of, you know, being a man, all this stuff. Um, And so they hold it and hold it and hold it. What advice do you have for, for, partners who either have some sense that there's something off or for the survivors who are hanging on to it because they're so terrified of what their partner might think. My advice would be that it's eating you alive. Ugh. It's eating you alive. It's eating everybody alive, right? It's eating everybody alive. Everything, your relationships, what you care about. And believe me, the people that love you can handle it. Oh, I just got the chills. Oh, and that's one, one reason we don't disclose too, is I don't want to do this to you. Right. I don't, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to let you down. Um, I don't want to drag you into this. And that is real, but we already know something is wrong. What are some of those red flags that you were picking up on your sixth sense was picking up on? If you don't mind sharing some of those. Yeah. The, the intimacy for sure. Um, uh, after we got married, we, I know, you know, never sleeping in the same bed. And I, that's so interesting to me, you know, I, I just didn't understand it. Um, there was lots of physical and emotional things. He was very controlling of his environment, excessively controlling <laughs> of his environment. When you have kids, wow, you know, you just don't understand it. It's, it was hard to understand the excessive um, need to control the environment and then retreating. So that was my biggest red flag was that anytime there was any conflict or anything, which there's conflict every day, right? It was a retreat uh, where I couldn't get through. And I mean, retreat from going to the basement and locking the door and not coming out sometimes for days. So that retreating, the inability to be able to deal with any sort of conflict um, or anything that was going on in the relationship was huge. I couldn't break through. Um, so that was a, you know, something that you can look, see looking back, right, was a trauma response. Deeply embedded in someone for 45 plus years that that had to be broken um, at some point and have new ways of coping had to be developed, but that's really hard after 45 years. And that's your survival technique. Well, yeah. And I'm like sitting, (laughs) I'm sitting here. You're like watching me. I can't like covering my face. I'm like, okay. The sleep issue of feeling unsafe with another breathing, living being in your room when you're unconscious is huge, huge. And like, I'm going, well, what, what is it? I just, I'm a light sleeper. I just don't like noise. I no, it's like a safety thing. Um, 
I have to do earplugs, a face mask, a fa- like I have to go into, I call it a sensory deprivation chamber in order to lose consciousness. So sleep has always been an issue. But if you say somebody else is going to be breathing next to me or in that, even walking in that room when I'm unconscious for a survivor, everybody listening, listen up for a survivor that can feel very, very, very unsafe, worse than unsafe, life-threatening. I'm going to be unconscious and somebody else is going to be there and I can't control it and I can't protect myself and I can't keep myself safe. Even if it's somebody that you love and trust and, you know, you're married to this guy and he's going, I can't sleep in the same room. And you're going, well, it must be me. Um, I relate to that so much. Like I'm having a lot of aha moments like I do every week on this show, but Danielle, like what you just said is, is so important for all of our listeners to hear that if you think about it, (laughs) sleeping in bed with someone is the most intimate of acts. So it makes sense that that is, was the biggest, you know, difficulty and hurdle and still is. I'm sure. Oh, I get that. Have them call me. (laughs) I get that. I get that. Um, So what did your husband say when you said, Hey, honey, um, I, my therapist mentioned it might be nice for me to start writing about my story and now I'm going to make it into a book and it's going to be a best selling book on Amazon and everybody's going to know all about us. What was his response to that? Oh my goodness. I think, well, let me just say he knew who he married. <laughs> <laughs> And I have always pushed him (laughs) along the way Um, for our relationship. I've pushed him. I know what he's capable of. And I was able to pull that out of him. So I don't think he was surprised when I said that I thought we made it for a reason and that I think that our story could help others. And he was in support, of course, in theory. And then... (laughs) (laughs) I got serious and went to a cabin in the woods to write. Then um, some definite emotions came out. Um, And as we call them, a a trigger, essentially, that we had to, you know, adjust and realize. And I had to be just very cognizant of his comfort level with it. Um, But ultimately, he he completely agrees that we want to help others with the story. And he's proud and it's actually brought us closer. Oh my gosh. I, I think that a survivor is working so hard at getting through the trauma recovery. They know that it's impacting their spouse and their partners and those who love them. But I think seeing it on paper, he realizes now I'm not going anywhere. If I got, <laughs> we got through this, I'm not going anywhere. Um, and I feel like actually writing the book made us even more, even, even stronger than we were before. I love that. And to my listeners, did you hear that just because you're carrying something doesn't mean you're not worthy of love. 
It doesn't mean you're not worthy of commitment, a committed partner, um, and of somebody to take your hand and walk through this fire with you. Um, that's something I think we all, as much therapy as we have had, there's still that underlying, I must not deserve it, or I'm not good enough thing. Um, so to have a partner that, that says something like that is really amazing, but in the same token, survivors are worthy of that kind of an amazing partner. I, I, I put it in my book, but um, we didn't just want to survive this. We wanted to thrive. Mm. And that's our goal every single day. Oh, I'm taking a big, deep breath. You're incredible, Danielle. You guys, again, the book is on Amazon, Resilient Wives, a guide for wives supporting their husband through Childhood Trauma Recovery, Danielle Sebastian. We're going to link to her Instagram, Danielle Sebastian underscore wife care. Um, she's amazing. She's accessible. You guys can work with her. She can walk you through this. She's been there. She's done that. She's come out the other side. Um, you know, for those of us doing work on the other side, now that we've walked through something, it is, it is so meaningful to be able to walk others who haven't walked through that fire yet through it. Um, I know you feel as lucky to be doing the work you're doing as I do to, to be doing the work I'm doing. Um, it's always a process, but um, Danielle is here. She's accessible. Get the book, you guys. Gift the book um, to, to everybody and anybody. Everywhere I go, and I know you've probably experienced the same thing, you start talking about being a survivor, being married to a survivor in your case, or having anything to do with sexual trauma, people come out of the woodwork, right? People in your lives, neighbors, friends, family members, I don't know very many people that this has not affected in some way, shape or form. Yes, I, I cannot believe just by the, the what, putting this out as a story, the response that I have received, um, how, how much trauma has affected everyone at some point in their life. Um, and I, I think that the more that we can talk about it, the more that we can release the stigma, the more, that we can help people tell these secrets sooner so they can have that wonderful life that they deserve. That's the goal. And what a beautiful note to end on. I have nothing to add other than get this book, gift it to everybody you know, reach out to Danielle, ask questions and use her as the guide through supporting and loving someone who has gone through 
trauma. You guys, it's one in six women, one in four men. And I believe those to be very underreported statistics. Um, Danielle, Sebastian, thank you so much for being on Bar Fights. Thank you. And thank you, Sarah, for everything you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. Until we meet in person, sweet Danielle, you guys, thank you for joining us this week. And we will see you next Monday on Bar Fights. Thank you for listening to Bar Fights with attorney Sarah Klein, taking on issues that matter. Please check out our website at barfightspodcast.com, Instagram at barfightspodcast, or Twitter at barfights underscore pod for the latest show updates and archives.